for you, and maybe they uh, aren't as ready to hear it again. Yet there are themes that are so critical that they must be repeated. And as I was thinking about something that is typically done during this season, heading into the new year, wrestling with this, I actually just a couple of weeks ago in the course of just regular scheduled Bible reading, read Second Peter chapter 1, and that passage gives an exhortation to, you know, pursue growth, give diligence to add to your faith, virtue, and so on. And, and then the second part of that chapter uh, follows up with Peter saying, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. And he actually finishes by saying, I, I think it's meet that as long as I am in this tabernacle, uh, I'm going to put you in remembrance. So some of you probably have parents and dear ones that are like that. I know you've heard me say this again, but as long as I am alive, I'm going to keep saying it. <clears throat> Peter does that under the inspiration of the Spirit. And the theme we want to consider tonight is as essential to growth um, as there is. And it is worth being reminded of again and again. <clears throat> and I want to direct your attention in these familiar verses of Romans 12, 1 and 2 down to the middle of verse 2, and that expression, that ye may prove, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that word prove is used to describe uh, the testing process of, of the genuineness of precious metals. There's a proving process that reveals whether uh, you're looking at uh, pure gold, for instance, or fool's gold. And here it's referring to the testing of the genuineness of the will of God. And over the course of this year we've been in, 2022, many professing believers have made the decision to pursue something that seemed to me bright, if you will, and, and shiny, uh, they were just sure is going to be satisfying and, and good in every way. But it ended up being nothing of the sort. And the reality is the same dynamics are going to be repeated by some in 2023 if we do not apply God's proving process to all of our life pursuits. And what is so encouraging about that in a text like this is that the Lord just lays it out for us, right? The Lord is not trying to make his will hard to know and hard to experience. He wants you and I to know it. He wants it to be experienced and lived out in our lives. And verses 1 and 2 are so familiar to God's people because they really capture in a summary fashion the steps in God's proving process, the testing to be certain you're in the center of his will for your life. And the opening words of verse 1 start with a very important assumption. That assumption is that he can address us as brethren by the mercies of God. That he's addressing brethren in Christ who by the grace of God are personal recipients of God's mercies in Christ. And I'll just start here tonight. You cannot arrive at what is good and acceptable and perfect in terms of God's will for your life if you're not, first of all, saved. Okay? And while 
while all that glitters is not gold, there are professions of faith that are not the real thing. James, too, says that very clearly. And I'm not going to explore that any further tonight, but, but it's a healthy practice to be certain your life bears the marks of God's saving grace. Without that, again, you can't know God's very best to your life. <clears throat> but it is obvious to all of us that not all saved people are experiencing God's very best in their lives. And some are not, because the rest of verse 1, they are not presenting their bodies, as you know it, a what? Not presenting their bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your, your act of worship to the Lord. And I want to remind us tonight again about this, and this was even in light of the song that was just ministered. I gave it all for you. What have you given to me? What's only reasonable is that we give our lives, right? Yield the members of our bodies as, as instruments to God, as a, as a living sacrifice to God. And I want to remind us that living that way is not just what you have to do if you're going to be a missionary. Living that way is not just what you're going to do, you know, if you're going to go into full-time ministry. Living yielded to whatever the Lord would have is essential to knowing God's will for your life, no matter who you are, whatever occupation, whatever uh, season of life you're in. But again, in some cases, there are people who have sincerely communicated a desire to live uh, lives that are dedicated to the Lord, but they still end up missing out on God's best. And again, they do in part because they have not heeded the admonition that begins verse 2. Notice the admonition to be not conformed to this world. And the grammar of that verse indicates, we've been here before, that the world is actually the active force. The world is bringing the battle to us, attempting to press us into its mold. The instruction here that is exhorted upon us is to not sit back passively and let that happen, <clears throat> right? To prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for our lives, we actually have to actively combat the conformity to the world, the pressure that the world is bringing to us. But again, I would say this, there, there are people who have communicated a desire to dedicate their lives to the Lord. They even live according to what I'm just going to use as a summary statement. They live according to relatively high standards of separation from this world. And they still end up missing the fullness of the life that God desires them to know. How does that happen? <clears throat> how does somebody saved, how does somebody who's communicated an intent to live yielded to the Lord, somebody who's even willing to, as it were, kind of battle conformity to this world, and yet they still miss God's very best? Well, what is clear in this passage is <clears throat> that there is another step towards this proving process. You not only have to be saved, and surrendered and to 
Start verse 2, separated. And you know, I'm not usually down the path this far, but I've got three S's. So you not only have to be saved and surrendered and separated, but brethren, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is, you must have a mind that is saturated with the word of God. And apart from that, <coughs> we're going to mess out on God's very best. This word transform is from the Greek word for metamorphosis. And my first memory of hearing that term, maybe like yours, was from science class <coughs> when the word is used to describe the change that takes place when a caterpillar, those creepy crawly things with all those legs, right, that, oh, that can make us feel that way, turns into a what? A butterfly. A different form. <clears throat> Don't turn there now, but Matthew 17 and verse 2, this same word is actually used, uh, it's translated as transfigured. On the Mount of Transfiguration, you remember, <clears throat> Jesus is there with his closest disciples, and on that mount, the glory of his divine nature actually just shone through the exterior of his human body. I mean, his clothes turned bright white, and there's a radiant brightness, and then it says that his face shone like bright sun. The glory of his divinity is shining through <coughs> that human body. Again, the word speaks of being changed into another form. In the case of Christ's physical form, changed to reflect his divine nature. And in the case of the believer in Christ, our body prior to salvation and the whole way of our conducting ourselves <coughs> was conditioned to verse 2 the opening phrase it's conditioned to the values of this world but now you and i are to be progressively <coughs> changed more and more into another form then i do want to have you go to second corinthians chapter 3 and i want us to look at verse number 18 again <coughs> i just want to see the connections here, the new form that we are to take on is none other than Christ himself. We alluded to, even this morning in Genesis 1, man is created to, in the image of God, to bear that image. Okay, We're made in the image and likeness of God to reflect him, but our sin has marred that. Hebrews states clearly that Christ is the express image the exact imprint of the father <clears throat> and when you are born again through a saving faith you're brought into union with christ and a lifelong process has begun and look at verse 18 <clears throat> it says we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord are changed into the same image what image whose image okay the lord's own image and we are changed, notice, from glory to glory. Okay, the, the day you are born again, you're a new creature, a new man. That's a glorious change. But every time you are changed, even incrementally, to be more like Jesus Christ, that's also a glorious change. And what's the connection here is this change Back in the verse is the same word as transformed in Romans 12 too. It is the same root word, metamorphosis. 
Now, you can notice here that the one doing the changing is who? Look at the end of verse. <clears throat> We're changed from glory to glory, even as by okay, the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit does the changing. Where we are in Romans chapter 12, we're commanded to be changed. All right, what's the connection between the two? <clears throat> Romans 12 isn't declaring that sometimes, you know, the, we are the agent of change. And now 2 Corinthians 3, that sometimes it's the Holy Spirit. What Romans 12 is exhorting us at, uh, to at least in part do is to expose ourselves to the means the Spirit of God uses to reveal Christ and to change us into his image. And rather than the means that the Spirit of God uses to change us into the image of the Son of God is the what? <clears throat> it's the Word of God. The Word of God is this glass that is spoken of here in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where we see Christ in his glory. The Word of God is the glass in James 1 and verse 23 where we see ourselves, right, and our true condition against the backdrop of the standard of Christ. It is the word of God that in Psalm 19 and verse 7 is the perfect law of the Lord that converts our souls. It is the word of God that John 17, 17 is the truth that sanctifies us. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And it is the word of God here in Romans 12 and verse 2 that renews our minds so that we are changed into a completely different form and transform. I know that you know these things, and I'm just reminding us again tonight, you, you, the believer doesn't go into a cocoon to get changed. The believer gets into the Word. And the believer doesn't need to have an out-of-body experience to get changed. The believer needs to saturate his mind with the word and the transformation spoken of here is not the product of you know seven step or 12 step formula or any kind <clears throat> the transformation here is not you know better self-esteem the transformation is the product of growing knowledge of god in his word and it's not the product of an emotional high in a worship service <clears throat> it's the product of doing what the what the bereans did of, of old they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they did what? They searched the scriptures daily. And again, you could be saved and be willing to do whatever God would have you to do in terms of your life and, and service for him and live, and live really a pretty separated life from this godless age and still live to miss out on God's best if your mind is not saturated with the word of God. That is the Spirit's means to show us Christ and transform us into his image. <clears throat> I mentioned before, and I think it's even found in the disciplines of a godly man that our men are starting to work through in our breakfasts, but um, George Mueller, who I think is appropriately a modern-day hero of the faith, he was 71 years old when he gave this testimony. At 71, he said, for the first four years after my conversion, I made no progress because I neglected the Bible. But when I regularly read on through the whole with reference to my own heart and soul, I directly made progress. Then my peace and joy continued more and more. And now he says this, 
I've been doing this for 47 years. I have read through the whole Bible about 100 times. And I always find it fresh again and again. Thus my peace and my joy have increased more and more. <coughs> What's remarkable about that is Mueller lived and read his Bible for another 21 years. He died at 92. But he never changed his strategy for progress. When he was 76, <coughs> he wrote the same kind of thing. Now that he had been doing for over 50 years... But he wrote this at 76. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first and great primary business to which I ought to attend every day to, was to find my soul happy in the Lord. I saw the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditation on it. He asked his own question. He said, what is the food of the inner man? He said, not prayer, but the word of God. And he went on, not simply reading the word so that it passes through our minds as water runs through a pipe, but considering what we've read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. And as we come close now to the end of this year, and we think about resolutions of any sort, at any level, <clears throat> for this year to come, brother, one thing every child of God Okay, whether we're here as a very young person or we're here like Mueller, we're into those 70s and 80s. Okay, it doesn't matter what, how long we've known the Lord, how briefly we have known the Lord. One thing that every child of God really needs to recommit in terms of a strengthening uh, of a commitment is to the highest ideals of devotional Bible reading. In a couple of cases, I've, I've spread out this emphasis over the course of multiple messages. Tonight, I want to I try and capture um, several of, of the highest ideals in Bible reading. What, what are some disciplines in the pursuit of the highest ideals of devotional Bible reading? And the first one is just this simple. The first discipline in pursuit of the highest ideals is to plan to read your Bible. Plan to read your Bible. I know that I can say this to every believer here. If there's any believer that just right now already, just the whole topic of devotional Bible reading leaves with some sense of pain. <laughs> some sense of I have not been doing what I ought to be doing. In it. I know that just bringing it up, if you feel that way, it is not because of conscious disloyalty to Jesus. It is not because you don't care. It is not because you're, you like it that way or you are okay with it that way. Then there can be multiple factors that come in here. But brethren, one of the reasons why we fail at this in some cases is we have failed to plan. Plan a time, <clears throat> plan a place, plan a method, plan to read. Uh, Dr. Barry has a presentation he's communicated with me about that he is hopeful of doing on some on varied Bible reading plans. And I'm trying to find a place <clears throat> to get him to do that as soon as possible, maybe right away in the new year. I'm glad to be whatever help I can be. I would just say to this, there's numerous helpful options that are available out there today in terms of, of planning to read your Bibles, Bible reading plans. <clears throat> 
But, brethren, let me add to this first point. Not only plan to read your Bible, but plan to read it daily. Uh, Proverbs 8 and verse 34 says, Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Wisdom personified there, but all the way through Proverbs 8, Bible scholars wrestle with, is it just wisdom personified or is it Christ himself? Because they so clearly go together. Blessed is the man that, that watches daily at my gates. You know Joshua 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. You know, again, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seed of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate when? Day and night. That at least includes daily. Plan to read the Bible daily and plan a method to read through the whole Bible. Again, I'm talking about pursuit of the highest ideals and your rate of getting through it may not be as fast as someone else's. Mueller said he'd been doing it for 47 years and had read through the Bible over a hundred times. So he's clearly getting through it more than two times in a year. Right? Your rate of getting through it may be once in two years. <clears throat> I understand that. And I'm not trying to force something on us that, that isn't you know, a fit for us. But I am trying to say this. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says how much of the scripture is inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration and is what? Profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There are <clears throat> passages that are great at certain seasons of life. Passages that are great at certain times even in a year, certain emphases. But brethren, at some point, let us commit ourselves to reading all of what God has breathed out by His Spirit and superintended by His Spirit because all of it has some role for us. And a prophet for us. Plan. <clears throat> plan to read your Bible daily and have some plan to get through uh, your Bible. Number two. There's four tonight, so you know where we're going. Number two is also this. Be clear. Be clear about why you're doing it. Be clear about your purpose. Okay, when you open your Bible, and I'm going to use the phrase that we sometimes use today, when you open your Bible to do your devotions, why are you doing that? And I'll, I'll raise several inappropriate suggestions. All right? You should not be reading your Bible so that you have a good day. And I'm not trying to be insulting to anyone. I can actually say this was way too much of my mindset growing up. That old adage, you know, that the apple a day keeps the <coughs> doctor away. I don't know if that actually worked or not. But okay, sometimes it's like a chapter a day keeps the devil away. You know, if I get my chapter in... Uh, you know, hopefully my car won't break down, I won't get sick, I'll get good grades, nobody will get mad at me today. 
But reading our Bible is not a good luck charm, and, and we're going to mess out on the blessing if we do it. If we do it even just to mark off a chart, tell somebody else I did it, feel better about myself, I'm a good Christian, look, I, I did it. Reading schedules, I've just talked about it, goals, accountability, all that can be put to beneficial uh, ends, beneficial use. But if they become the end, they can actually be to the harm of somebody who's not using them right. And, and we'll miss out on the blessing, even if it's just to gain information. Even if it's to gain information to apply it to our lives. Our ultimate purpose for devotional Bible reading uh, can be summed up in maybe the word that you would use for whatever Mary was doing. What would you say Mary was doing? Martha, remember her sister? <coughs> Martha is cumbered about much serving, <coughs> and she's anxious, and telling <coughs> the Lord, Lord, make Mary help me. And Jesus said about Mary, Mary hath chosen that good part. He actually says one thing is necessary. <coughs> and Mary hath chosen that good part. What was Mary doing? What, how, how would you summarize? Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And <clears throat> again, I don't know that there's one word we'd all settle on. But Mary is, Mary is having fellowship with the Lord. <clears throat> Mary is having communion with the Lord. There's even a sense in which Mary is <laughs> expressing personal, private worship of the Lord. But she's sitting there having even relationship development with the word, with, with the Lord. <coughs> and brethren, I think our, our devotional Bible reading purpose can be summarized in any of those words. Communion is a good one. And when we read the Bible, it's like reading no other book and there is a very real sense in which we're doing more than reading. And I'm not talking about mysterious things. But I'm talking about <clears throat> there is a sense in which we are actually listening. The God of the universe, the God of the Bible, is speaking to us. You think about <clears throat> what Jesus said in John 16 in the upper room. Jesus said to those disciples, he said, I have much more to say to you, but you can't bear it now. <clears throat> Remember this? But I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've spoken unto you. Where do we have that in our Bible? We, where do we, what section of our Bible do we have what Jesus spoke when he was here on the earth? We have it in the Gospels. <clears throat> and I'm going to teach you all things. Where do we have the explanation of the significance of all of who Jesus is and said and did? We have it in our epistles. And he said, and I'm going to show you things to come. And I know there's prophecy spread throughout, <clears throat> but where do we have that in particular? We have that in the Revelation, the book of the Revelation. Brethren, when you, like, when you open your New Testament, <clears throat> you have all the things that Jesus wanted to say 
that people couldn't handle when he was there in that short time, but the Spirit was going to give us. I'm serious. When we open up our Bibles, we are opening up our Bibles to hear the very words of the Lord. And it's not just our New Testament. Jesus said in John 5, 39, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of, of me. You would really be helped, and you don't have to do it as a form, and there may be other words you use. Certainly shouldn't just be ritual, but I think it would be helpful to regularly start your Bible reading <coughs> similar to what uh, young Samuel did. Remember when he kept hearing his name called, and he thought it was Eli? And Eli said, that's not me. That's not me talking to you. And when Samuel went back and he heard his name called again, remember what he said? He said, speak, Lord, for thy servant, what? For thy servant heareth. And brethren, God still speaks today, but he speaks where? He speaks in his word. Open it, listening for what he has to say. Commune with him in his word. Fellowship with him in his word. Even know personal, private worship with him in your devotional Bible reading. So be clear about your purpose. Plan to read. Be clear about your purpose. And then would also suggest this thirdly. <clears throat> labor to understand what you are reading. Work at it. Labor to understand what you're reading. And I want to have us to go over to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And when you, you know, hear labor to understand, <clears throat> you may be thinking, uh, if your uh, mind is really at work actively, you may be thinking that there's a little admonition, uh, or, or tension, I should say, between, you know, this second and third one. My purpose isn't to gain information. My purpose is communion and fellowship. <clears throat> but now, you know, this admonition is labor to understand. Uh, you know, there's a little tension in that. Let me dispel the tension, I think, at least at some level. Have you ever talked to someone and you knew they were hearing you? Maybe they even nodded, right? Or showed some facial expression. But you also had a pretty good idea that they weren't listening in a way that they were going to come away understanding you. If all that, we've all had that experience, have we? <clears throat> they're listening, but they're not getting it. Would you call that a good conversation? <laughs> Do you enjoy those? I'm talking to somebody, they're nodding, they're not laboring to understand what I'm saying. Would you call that good fellowship? <laughs> Would you call it good communion or anything? <clears throat> no, and rather it's like that. Though we, though we don't read simply to get information, the Bible has to be understood before we can really know the Lord's mind and relate to him properly. I've had you turn to Luke 24. I want to <clears throat> see several phrases that emphasize this. This chapter opens, I'm not, I'm not even going to touch down all these places, but the, the women finding the tomb where the body of the Lord Jesus was buried, they find it empty, and some are just awestruck with joy. 
number of them were confused and fearful and troubled by everything that had transpired. Remember, their Messiah was crucified. That didn't make sense. The body's missing. How do you explain all this? And we're going to come down to verse 25. Two of them were walking, and they're talking of their own troubled minds and heart. <clears throat> they didn't know it was Jesus that joined them. But look at verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I'm going to pause here to pick up something. They were rebuked in verse 25 for their lack of what? O fools and slow of heart to believe. They're rebuked for their lack of faith. Okay, but you can't believe what you don't, what you don't understand. Now, it was right there in the scripture, but they didn't see it. The, the suffering of Christ and that coming before the humiliation of Christ is something to use these the humiliation before the exaltation okay <clears throat> it was there but they didn't see it and so they didn't believe it but after he did verse 27 after he expounded that's the word to choose he expounded the truth to them and they left look at verse 32 and I'm just for time's sake skipping all the way forward they said one to another did not our heart burn within us? Well, he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. And again, I know if you're a child of God, you have had this experience. God grants you understanding of himself. <clears throat> God grants you some understanding of his will. He, he, he grants a foundation for your faith and practice in the scripture. I've been wrestling with it. There it is. God showed me his truth. And when he does that, and when he really speaks to you through his word, it stirs your heart. I'm going to use the word. It warms your heart like nothing else you can imagine. <clears throat> and... It becomes the foundation for your faith. As you hear from him, you see him, you understand him, and it stirs you. How can we labor to increase our understanding of the scripture? And this particular section could really be extended out. I hope I'm not frustrating with the brevity. But I want to give several steps to increasing our understanding and, and the first one is to begin your Bible reading by asking the Lord to grant you this gracious favor. I mean, even say, Lord, do what you did for those two men. <laughs> when you open the scriptures and open their eyes, pray with the psalmist, Psalm 119 and verse 18, open thou mine eyes that I may behold <clears throat> wondrous things out of thy law. Or... Psalm 119, verse 27. I could go to others, but this one. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of all thy wondrous works. <clears throat> so you, as you're opening your Bible, you're saying, speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. And then you're saying, Lord, open my eyes. Don't let me miss anything that you have for me <clears throat> in your word today. 
Help me to understand it. <clears throat> Secondly, your understanding will be increased when you engage your mind by, I used to say, means of a pen and paper. And that may still be the best way for many of us. Or you might say a keyboard and a screen <clears throat> today. All right? There's different methods of this. And I would just say many studies have confirmed all this to be the case, that when, when you engage your mind by any form of note-taking, there is so much more profit that comes. And you don't have to write profound statements. Sometimes you're just noting what might appear to be an incidental detail. <clears throat> and after you've noted it, you end up noting another one. And then you note another one, and you're really doing it just to apply your mind and almost sometimes, almost unsuspecting. <laughs> it's like that detail, then that one, then that one. And it's, wow, all of a sudden a ray of truth, as it were, just shines right into it when, when you weren't even anticipating it. Sometimes, sometimes it's just an attempt to summarize what you have read. And <clears throat> again, some of these truths uh, were working and forming in, in my mind over time, things that I should have known better about and done better about there were periods of some note-taking but i got all the way into uh early years in ministry uh well i hate to admit this neither mr Slaver or Ms. mr Slaver or mr meals plug your ears so that i'm not called on it i taught seventh and eighth grade math in a previous life <clears throat> okay uh but when i was teaching math to junior hires, I wanted to just even have an opportunity, not just math, but to have some Bible truth communicated. And, and what I was doing was I'd have devotional time, I'd go into my math class. I would think when I left devotional time, boy, I got this great thing to share. And then I'd go try to share it, and I'd stand up there, and it wasn't nearly as clear when it came out my mouth as I thought it was in my head. <laughs> you ever been there? And sometimes just taking the time to jot some notes engages my mind. And as I'm asking the Lord to use all of that, it starts to move and, and stir in my heart. But there's something about, again, taking that extra effort. And a, a third step in terms of this, how to increase our understanding is to even use helps, use study Bibles, use commentaries that give helpful introductions to the author, to the audience, to the big ideas, to the structure of the development. I mentioned this morning in our question and answer time, we want to get back to some of that, but my, the first one for me was a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, <coughs> and just cross-references where I was like, wow. Uh, I'm, I also mentioned, again, the Ryrie Study Bible. And there are a number of others now. There's commentaries that can be a help. The Bible Knowledge Commentary, two-volume set, one for the Old, one New Testament. They're really inexpensive. And, and there are others. I, I'm going to bring this up as well. Some object to that. I've heard some people, some pastors, it seems like almost make it sound sacrilegious to use any kind of aids <coughs> alongside of your devotional time um, but when Paul was in prison, and here's a, here's a passage I think really makes the argument itself. He's in prison. He's suffering greatly physically. But 2 Timothy 4 and verse th 13, he asked Timothy to bring a coat. And I mean, that's tender. 
Um, but he also asked him to bring the books and especially the parchments. So he says the books and especially the parchments. The parchments are more than likely the copies of the scripture, so especially those. But the books are more than likely not a reference to the scripture. They are a reference to even commentary type things. Uh, we need to keep it the order right, especially the scripture. But there are aids, and God uses the body of Christ, and he uses gifted brethren to help us. And then fourth, I know I need to keep moving on this, but value truly textually based preaching and take good advantage of it. And I'm talking about preaching that in preparation starts with careful observation of what those words mean, what their contribution is to the context they're a part of. We're, we're trying to do that uh, on a regular basis here in, in our own ministry. And, and I'm trusting that message after message has its, own, uh, has its own theme and focus, if you will. It's inspirational and motivational often. But at its core, what we're really banking on is the persuasion that's rooted right where Jesus did the persuading, where it's opening the scriptures, making the appropriate connections. Okay, and we can take good advantage of that approach by taking good notes and, and again, reviewing. I, um, especially when the kids were little, um, typically... It would depend on what time we got home on Sunday night and the state of everybody. We didn't always have Sunday night review. Sometimes we did. <clears throat> um, but very often Sunday night, Monday night, and, and often even to the Tuesday night were Lord's Day reviews. And it's just taking the opportunity to go back through the, the ministry of the word from the Lord's Day, the market day of the soul. We load it up. Now let's continue to feed on it. Those kinds of things can help us really get whole passages of our Bible, sections of our Bible, so that even as we go back through some other time in our devotional reading, we're understanding it. But brethren, labor to understand. Let this even be an expression of our love for the Lord. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul. What's the next one? Mind. Let, let me even communicate my love for the Lord by putting my mind to work to really understand him and watch what he does to stir our hearts. And then <clears throat> last night, plan to read your Bible, be clear about your purpose, labor to understand, and lastly, practice meditation, practice meditation. And this is where I, I spent the time last year, and so, uh, and I think I spent 45 minutes on just that, all right? So I'm just going to say this tonight, hopefully draw upon last year, but meditation, Bible meditation, you can see the Hebrew words. If you go to Hebrew dictionary, you can see the way they're translated. Uh, people have, a hard have had a hard time kind of getting a hold of them. But the, the words um, use concepts that involve like talking, um, moaning, growling, um, and, and 
and also words that talk about intensity of thought. And when you put them together, Bible meditation is this. Bible meditation is talking okay, with yourself. Do you know anybody that does that? Okay, If they're talking with themselves, there's some kind of thing that is just being worked over and over and over in your mind, right? But you're talking with yourself about God's word. So how do you do that? In a time of trial, remind yourself of God's promises, of his presence, and his provision. In a time of temptation, remind yourself of his warnings for indulging the flesh. In a time of decision-making, remind yourself of, of principles and examples that he's given for <coughs> admonition. And, and we could go on. At all times, though, remind yourself of his person. Remind yourself of his works. Continually offer, back to Thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Keep talking with yourself about God and his word and all of what he's communicating with you. And all of that can even uh, be helped. Practicing meditation will be aided by memorization. Be able to get some of that down and, and go back over it. Some of this meditation can again be helped by having other people that I'm communicating with even about what God has been doing in my life. Be prepared to communicate what God's talked to you about in his word. I know there's things that are private and there's things that are hard to communicate even with the dearest ones to us. <clears throat> and that's not the primary. But, but if we can communicate to others what God has done, it'll aid our communicating even with ourselves about God and his word. Jonathan Edwards was mightily used of the Lord from um, his, his mid-30s to his mid-50s when he ended up suffering an early death. But God's use of this man, and I'm saying mid-30s to mid-50s when kind of the great awakening broke out largely through his ministry and spread throughout the colonies. Um, God used him in that time frame, but God's use of that man was largely due to Edwards fulfilling some 70-ish resolutions that he wrote in his late teens and early 20s. And one of those resolutions directly involved his personal study of the scriptures. And here it is in his own words. He said, resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently so that I fi may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. So again, listen to that resolve. Study the scripture steadily, constantly, frequently. This man had a plan to read his Bible. <laughs> And he had a purpose to labor to understand. 
so that he would perceive himself to grow in the knowledge of the same. And, and I, I'm using that to bring us to this conclusion again. Without that resolve, it's not just that we won't be Jonathan Edwards and we don't need to be Jonathan Edwards. I need to be a growing version of who I am. <laughs> it's not that we won't be a great preacher, a great missionary, great whatever. But without that resolve, we will all miss God's very best for our lives. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're going to sing in just a minute. We're going to sing, take time to be, you know the rest of that song? Take time to be holy. It does take time alone with God in his word. And I want to give you an opportunity very briefly, if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. And <clears throat> we're not going to spend long. This all would involve more than just a few minutes or a few seconds right now for us to make some appropriate resolutions about strengthening the highest ideals in this arena. But would you talk with the Lord even now, respond to him about this?